0: Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. So we're going to read out of 2 Kings um, chapter 4 tonight. 2 Kings chapter 4. And the uh, title for tonight's talk is uh, Breakthroughs on a Budget. Breakthroughs on a Budget. Has anybody ever been on a budget before? Um, you know, you know, like when you're on a budget by choice because you want to uh, be good stewards of what God has blessed you with. which I encourage everybody to use wisdom, but there's a difference between being a bu- on a budget by choice and then being on a budget because you have no other choice, right? I remember um, uh, when Haley and I were, were engaged before we were married that Christmas man, I was balling on a budget that Christmas when we were engaged because I was saving money for the future and I was still recovering from buying ring. and so I was like in the, I was balling on a budget and um, the uh, my breakthrough was called a store called Five Below. Has anybody ever heard of that store before? Ever been to that? It's, it's kind of like the upgraded version of Dollar Tree. Everything's five dollars and below and I was able to get everybody a Christmas gift and they had no idea. Um, so, but th- Tonight's not just going to be about, you know, your finances being on a budget, but what if your faith is on a budget tonight? What if you feel like you're on, at the end of your faith and you, you have exhausted your, your, your belief and, and you just don't have any more to give? You're trying to reserve your faith because you feel like you're running out. Or, or what if you feel like your patience is on a budget, um, that you're about ready to strangle some people because your patience is running low? Uh, that's what we're talking about tonight, how to have breakthroughs. On a budget. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you for gathering us tonight. Um, We're here for no other reason other than growing closer to your spirit, growing closer to your son. So, Father, soften every heart, open every mind, let your Holy Spirit just have his way. We thank you for miracles, signs, and wonders taking place. God, we thank you for salvations taking place tonight, God. Father, we just thank you for your spirit being ushered in and transforming us from the inside out. We love you so much, Jesus. And everybody says, Everybody says amen, amen. Give Jesus a hand clap of praise before we get into it. So we're picking up in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, and it reads this. Um, It says, one day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out. He said, my husband who served you is dead. And you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. So this woman whose husband was a prophet is now dead and now she's a widow. And now without her husband, she can no longer afford the debts to be paid. So now her sons are literally about to be taken as slaves. See, in that time, there was no such thing as bankruptcy. And so if you couldn't pay your debts, the creditor literally had the rights, like the legal rights, like it was in the law that they could do this. They had the legal rights to take your children as slaves to pay for those debts. Uh, But they could take him. It wasn't even up to you. And so this woman, like picture her situation. She is at the end of everything. She has exhausted all of her means. Like she is in the need of a breakthrough and a miracle. She's about to see her sons be taken as slaves. And now she approaches Elisha, the prophet Elisha, who's the protege of Elijah. And she approaches him saying, I need your help. And and apparently Elisha knew her husband because she said, you know how he feared the Lord and he served you. So she approaches this man with those thoughts in mind and watch how Elisha responds. In verse 2, he says, what can I do to help you? Elisha asked, tell me what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except, everybody say except. Except. He said nothing at all except a flask of olive oil she replied. Just by that response, we can see how much she has exhausted her resources. She had nothing left in her ownership or in her house except for a flask of oil. And uh, many theologians and commentators uh, believe that the flask of oil left over was not the oil that was used for cooking, that was left in large jars, but this was an oil that was used for anointing. You remember her husband, who is now deceased, was a prophet. And so all they had left as a family was the last thing of remembrance that they had from their dead father, which was a flask of anointing oil. She had exhausted all of her resources. She has exhausted, She's at the end of her ropes. See, sometimes when it comes, especially during this time of the year, it feels like we're at the end of a lot of things. We're about to start a new year. We're about to start something new, but we feel like we're at the end. And so we feel like we're at, we're, 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 Uh, at the end of our budget and we're running out, but that's at the point, at that time when you feel like you're breaking down just like this woman, it's at that point where a breakthrough is about, it's on its way. So I want to encourage somebody tonight that if you feel like you're in a mess, like this woman is in a mess right now, messes always precede miracles. Miracles never, you know, precede the mess. Mess always precedes the miracle. So before there can be a miracle, there first has to be a, a mess to take place, to happen. And so this woman is in a need, uh, she needs of a miracle. She's at the end of her means. And the prophet looked at her and she was probably expecting something so much different than what he says. He was probably expecting, oh, you need money? Well, here's money, right? Oh, you're in debt? Well, let me pay it off right now. Instead, he said, okay, I want to help you. And he said to the woman, what is in your house? What's in your house? Well, what, what do you have around you? A lot of times when we're wanting a breakthrough to happen, we want to, uh, some kind of outside force to take place. Uh, we, we want some kind of resource or source outside of what we already have before we think a breakthrough is on its way. But Elisha looked at the woman and said, what is in your house? What do you have in possession already? See, most of the time when we need a breakthrough, It's not looking for what we don't have. It's it's letting God use what we do have. It's letting God use what is already in our possessions. Letting God use what is already in our house. So you want to break through on a budget. You feel like you don't have a lot around you. Can I say you have enough for God to use? Can Can I say you have more than enough for God to do something awesome in your life? That little bit you might be hanging on to is more than enough for God to take you and see you through all the needs you have for your life. See, point one for tonight is for breakthroughs on a budget is you have to work with what you have. You have to work with what you have. If you're not willing to work with what you have, God can't use it. God can't use you. If you're looking at God and say, God, I need to have all these things before I start letting you use these things, God's never going to bless you with more. God's never going to give you more if he can't trust you with the little that you have right now. But if you just say, God, I don't have much, but what I do have, I give it to you. God, I don't have a ton of talent, but with the talent I do have, I give it to you. God, I don't have the education. I don't have this, but what I do have, God, I give it to you. And I say that's more than enough for God to use? That's more than enough for your breakthrough to happen. That's more than enough for your miracle to take place This by you using the little you do have. The widow thought she had nothing left, but what she did have left. She said, I don't have nothing except what she did have left was what God needed to perform her breakthrough. Come on, if you believe that, give Jesus a shout of praise. See, it takes, it takes faith to work with what you have. It takes faith to work with what you think is little and small. That takes faith. I mean, anybody can go out with a ton of resources, a ton of experience, and a ton of, of finances and relationships and say, okay, God is going to use me and God's going to use that. But it takes faith when you have nothing. It takes faith when you have little. It takes faith when you look around and say, I don't even know if I'm going to make it, much less God's going to use this. It takes faith to give that little to God. It takes faith to, to, to work with what you have. It takes faith to look at your budget or, or, and, and look, at, look at your relationships and say, God, I don't have much, but what I do have, I give to you. It takes faith to take that seed. Say, God, I don't have a tree, but I have this seed. And everything big starts small. So what I do have, I'm going to plant it, I'm going to give it on to you. And, you're just, and then that's when God takes that, takes that little, and makes it into the much that you need. Now you might say, you know, the the widow, she said, I don't, I don't have much. She said, I don't have enough. I don't have this. I don't have that. But what God was saying through the prophet Elisha was saying, if you just look around, if you just look around, what is in your house? See, I want to help you, but first you have to look around what is in. Your house, if you look around what it is in your house, you're going to find what you need. Well, you don't need the things that, are, that other people have. You don't need the skills that other people have. You don't need the relationships that other people have. All you need is what I've already given you, and that's enough. That's enough to start. That's enough to, to, to take that first step of faith. See, Elisha looked at this woman, and he said, I want to help you. And I'm, I'm sure the next words uh the, the widow thought she was going to hear was, I want to help you, so here's the money, right? But he said, I want to help you, so what's in your house? What do you have? What can you offer? What, what, what can you do? You see, the breakthrough always starts with you. The first step of faith is always going to be your responsibility. God's not going to take that first step for you and then say, "Okay," or the say, "No." He's going to wait until you take that first step of faith and then he'll take the other 99 steps, but it always first starts with you. Your breakthrough always first starts with your first steps. He said, "I want to help you, but first you have to help your, yourself." It's not this God's not going to do it for you. You have to start it. The breakthrough starts With you. So what we gotta look at our house. Ask ourselves some questions. What things around me am I not using for God? What skill am I not using? What tool am I not using correctly? What am I not doing? What can be used around me to meet the needs that I have? Because if I believe that God is capable, if I believe that God is who he says he is, then he doesn't need much. All he needs is my obedience. All he needs is me saying, you know what, God, I don't have a lot, but the little I have, just like the widow said, I give unto you. In verse 3, then Elijah said, okay, He said, well, borrow. Everybody said borrow. Borrow. He said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors, from your friends and neighbors. So your breakthrough may start with you, but it doesn't just require you. For any people who don't like people in the house, I'm going to break something to you, okay? You need people in your life. You need people in your life to help you with God's plan. If you think you're going to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish by yourself, I hate to break it to you, but you are wrong. God requires you to be in unison with others. That's why we're created for community because that is a way how God uses. The number one vessel that God uses in our lives is people. The number one vessel that God used to operate his will onto this world is through people. We have to be able to to not only surround ourselves with the right people, but be able to to work with them. See, we cannot live this life on our our own. Point number two for breakthroughs on a budget is that you have to work with who you have. You have to work with the people that God has placed around you. You know, it's said you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. You see, the people who God has placed around you, he's done that for a reason. He's done that because he knows that there's going to come a point in your life that he's going to use that person to bless you. See, well, imagine if this widow, imagine if this widow, she was too embarrassed or too prideful to go to her neighbors and to her friends to ask for help. Imagine if this widow said, you know what, God, can this can this just stay between us? Like, why do I have to involve other people? Why do I have to go and ask other people? Why? Well, imagine if she was too embarrassed to do that or too prideful to go to her neighbors and friends and ask for help. Who knows, she would never gotten her breakthrough. How many breakthroughs have we missed out because we were too prideful to ask for help? How many miracles have we overlooked? How many miracles have been stolen from us just because we were too embarrassed or too prideful to make that phone call? I'm going to say something, and I don't want to offend anybody, okay? I want to offend some people, but not everybody. Asking or not asking for help is not a sign of strength. It's a sign of stupidity. Not asking for help is not a sign of strength. I'm talking to mostly men here because we're the ones who are like, hey, I can do this all by myself. I, 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 tell, I tell Haley all the time, like, don't ask them for help. I can do this you know, fixing things around the house or this or that, but not asking for help, that is not a sign of strength. That's a sign of stupidity. That's a sign that you don't have any self-awareness to know that God has placed people in your life for a reason. Asking for help is a sign of strength, a sign of self-awareness, saying, you know what, God, I have the awareness to know that I don't have to live this life on my own. That I wasn't created to live this life on my own. And so, if I'm going to walk in the calling and purpose you have for me, I need people. Turn to your neighbor say, You need people. You need people in your life. You, you need the right people in your life. You need to surround yourself with somebody, with people who are willing to help you out. That's why it's so important to not be a jerk. It's so important to not be a jerk to people. It, it's important to be kind, it's important to be generous. It's a point important to show empathy. You want to know why? Because a day is going to come when you're going to need the generosity of others. A day is going to come where you're going to need to reap what you sowed into others. Because you're going to find yourself in a place like that widow found herself. And imagine if she was a jerk to everybody and gossiped about everybody and anytime somebody asked her for a cup of sugar, she was like, "You go find your own sugar," right? <laughs> they would have never let her borrow any kind of jars, anything from them because it but well, that's why it's so important for us to be kind, so important for us to be generous, not just because it makes us a good Christian, because it does, God told us that, but because it, that's going to affect our purpose. If you walk around life prideful and, and ignorant and ar- arrogant, and it's saying, I can do this all on my own, you're going to miss out on so many blessings that God has for your life. That's why it's so important, make sure you surround yourself with the right people, because You want to find out how you have the right people around you? Get into some trouble. Get into a place like the widow was. Not not bad trouble, but trouble you can't control. Get into a place like the, like the, the widow was. Then you're going to see who your real friends are. If you can't look around your circle of friends and say, if I was in a spot like this widow was, would they help me out? And if your answer isn't yes, you need to find new friends. Because you have to surround yourself with the right people of knowing, man, if I fall, I know they're going to help me get up. Man, if, I, if there's something I need, I know, I know that they're going to help me out. Now, look, I'm not saying for us to go around and ask for handouts all day. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that if God tells you, like he told the widow, you go ask your friends and neighbors for some jars, you do it. You don't be too prideful to do it. You don't be too embarrassed to do it. You go and you be obedient to God and you do that because God uses people. God uses people to bless his people. God used, that's how God operates. And so that's why it's so important to surround ourselves with the right people, to surround ourselves with the people who, who want the best for us, who, who, who knows that we, that we have a calling and a purpose on our life. That is why I love church so much. Because I know if I was in a tough spot like the widow was, I'm part of a church family who I know would pick me up, who I know would be there for me, who I know would say, you know what, because of your kindness or because of this, you know what, and I'll, I know that would happen. That's why it's so important to, to be connected in the church. That's why it's so important to have those friends because you're going to need it when God is going to call you somewhere where people is required. People is required. Verse 4. And so Elisha says, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. And he said, poor olive oil from your flask into the jars setting each one aside when it's filled so she did as she was told now I could do a whole sermon as it's doing on what you're told She said so she did as she was told and her sons kept bringing jars to her and she was and she filled one after another see the widow did what is the most difficult thing when it comes to um living a life in God's will People think the hard part is, is knowing God's will. That's not the hard part. That's the easy part. The hard part is doing God's will. The hard part is being obedient and following his instructions. Because if you're like me and most humans, when we know what God wants, we try to do it our way. When we know what God's will is in our life, we try to make it happen our way, not God's way. We try to say, God, okay, you want kind of, you want, oh, I'm called to do this. Or you want me to start this business? or You want me to do this? Okay, God. Thank you. I got it from here. So let me go and try to do it my way. See, that's not a a way for us to get into God's will. That's a way for us to get out of God's will. Not only do we have to know God's will, but we also have to do it His way. We also have to be obedient to His instructions. The widow could have easily said, Okay, God, I got all these jars. I'm just going to sell them on eBay. Maybe that's how I pay off the. No. She did what God told her to do and followed the instructions. And that's the same thing that we have to do as well. Next point for tonight is that we also have to work according to God's will. We have to work according to God's will. Because if we try to do God's will our way, that doesn't lead to miracles. That leads to mess ups and misfortunes. And say, and, then, and then you know what the funny part is? Then we blame God for it. We're like, God, why did you call me to do this, God? Look at it. like, And God's just looking down like, yeah, I told you to do that, but I told you to do it this way. I told you to follow my instructions. Instead, you try to do it your own way, and that's why you're in the mess you found. That's why all these things happen. See, if we're going to do God's will, we have to do it his way. And See, the, the widow didn't use anything in this, in this breakthrough. She didn't use anything she didn't already have. She had the friends, and she had the oil. She already had everything she needed, but because she did it in the ways, according to God's instructions, that's what led it to her breakthrough. You see, God didn't say, hey, I'm going to give you something new, and that's how you're going to get your breakthrough. No, he said, I'm going to make you have the things around you, and you're going to do it in a new way, in a way that I'm going to show you how to do it. And that is how her breakthrough happened, was her not getting new stuff, but just listening to God. There's so many, like, you, can, you have the ingredients for God's breakthrough in your life right now. You don't need anything else. Stop thinking, say, God, I know you're calling me to do this, but let me learn and get this skill, or let me get these friends, or let me get this uh, money point in my budget. Let me No, no, you have the ingredients already right now to do God's will. You don't need anything else. You don't need any more finances or any more uh, connections. No, you have everything you need. But here's the difference. You have to use those resources according to how God is telling you to use them. See, she had the friends. She had the oil. Now all she needed was instructions. And to follow those instructions, we have to work according to God's will. See, God could have easily this, you know, which— Sometimes we pray for God to do it this way, but God could have easily just drop the the money for the widow's debts in her lap and said, "Oh, here it is." But no, instead he he brought her along on this process. He he used what she already had. Why? Because for us to really get a breakthrough that comes from God, can I tell you, breakthroughs that come from God don't happen in a in a moment or an instant. It happens over a process of obedience. That's how you know it was God's breakthrough. You know, God's God's miracles isn't like the lottery, okay? I hate to spoil it for some of y'all, but God's miracles doesn't happen like a lottery or one day you wake up and everything you desire is there. That's not God's breakthroughs or will. What happens is God takes you on the process of faith where you see that you just have a little bit, but when you give that little bit to God, God begins to show you and give you things and bless you in ways that you never thought was possible. And that is how you know it's breakthroughs and miracles from God, because you can't point at the stuff. You can't point at the possessions. You can't point and say, all these things, uh, is, is that, that was God. You have to point at God and say, he is the one that made this happen. Because you got to remember, I had nothing. I had little. But because I gave that little to God, God is the one who blessed everything you see. God wants to get all the glory. God wants to get all the glory. And that's why we exist, is to worship him and give him glory. God doesn't want us to give possessions glory or people glory god wants us to give him glory so that's why he will take us into these processes where we can't look to anywhere else but god to where we can't give credit to anybody else but god and to say god it's only by your hand that this happened it's only by your hand that this breakthrough and miracle took place in my life we got to do god's will his way by d- avoiding his instructions, we're avoiding our breakthroughs and miracles. We're avoiding the things that God has in store for us. There's, there's so many things that God is ready to, to bless us with, but we're in the wrong position. Yeah, God is ready to, to give us, but because we have gone outside, we, we know what God wants for us, but we're trying to do it our own way to get there. Because of that, we have put, taken ourselves out of the position that God wants us to be. We have to line up our ways. And we have to say, God, I'm lining up my will with your ways, and I'm going to follow your instructions. And that's how you get ready for a breakthrough. Are y'all hearing me tonight? Are y'all hearing me tonight? (laughs) As we continue with verse 6. So she does all these things, and and, and it says in verse 6, soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her, and then the olive oil stopped flowing. Question I asked myself. If the widow would have gathered more jars, would she have been able to pour out more oil? I believe so, yes. But on the flip side, if the widow would have gotten less jars and gotten only a few, would only a few of those jars have gotten filled and things wouldn't have been, getting, I believe so too. I think that what what if our breakthroughs and miracles, it, it's more dependent on how much we can muster together. Well the, depend the magnitude of our miracle. Like if we have enough belief just for a little bit and we just give God this a little bit of a chance, we're only going to get a little miracle. But if we say, God, I give you all that I have and I'm going to go all out on this life of faith, we're going to see just like how it says, so overflowing is going to take place in our life. See, this woman, she she. She didn't try to play it safe. I don't think she tried to gather all she could. But it says it stopped, the the, the oil stopped when the jars got full. The, the, The blessing stopped when there was no more room to be blessed. Here's what I'm trying to say. Let's not try to reserve anything for ourselves. Let's go all out for God. Let's not say, God, okay, I know that you have uh, this blessing. I know you told me to gather these jars, but I'm going to only gather a little bit, just what I need, or I'm going to do this. No, let's go all out on this life of faith, because I believe that is when we're going to see not only this God's breakthrough, but we're going to see things beyond our dreams and desires. You see, God works in a way that goes beyond our understanding. So there's going to be times when you just had a little plan. And you thought that that was God's promise, but God's promise was so much bigger than that. And all because of our obedience to his instruction, he showed us how to get there. He showed us uh, the, the things that we had to do. In verse 7, and then she says, she, she told Elisha, she, when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts. And you and your sons can live on what is left over. You and your sons can live on, on what is left over. You know what makes God's plan worth it? I mean, I know we're saying because we're Christians and because we love Jesus, yes. But you know what really makes, what really makes God's plan worth it? it that it goes f- so far beyond our expectations. It goes so far beyond our dreams. It goes so far beyond what we could ever imagine for our life. Like, if you want your promises just to be uh, really handicapped by your imaginations, you're not going to – but imagine a life that God wants for you, that is not limited by your own dreams or desires. See, God wants to take us places we never even thought was possible, that we didn't even dream for our lives. Like, is there any witnesses in the house that look back and say, I never saw myself here, but by the grace of God – by the really miracle-working power of God that he had a plan to take me here. Like, I never saw myself doing this. I never saw myself doing that. But God's plan was so much bigger than my plan. God's desires are so much beyond my desires for my life. That's what made God's plan for our lives worth it, is that it goes so far beyond our expectations. It goes so far beyond what we thought, what is possible. See, God, he doesn't just want to meet our needs. He wants to exceed our needs. The woman not only had enough to pay her debts, but she had enough to live off for the rest of her life. That's the power of God. That's worth the hand clap. That's the power of God in your life. We're not meant to, to, this, to, to live month to month and, live, uh, and be so short on things and so be, be so worried about things. Can I say that's not God's will for our life? Now, look, I'm not saying that God wants to, that it's God's will for us to have everything our hearts desires, but it is God's will for us not to be in lack and to need and to be in worry and fear about how we're going to do things next month. God wants us to live in overflow. And that doesn't always just mean finances, but that means relationships. That, that, that means that you have, have the right uh, self-discipline and the fruit of the spirits in your life. You have peace and you have joy. You know how many people that you look up to and you think, wow, they have everything I ever wanted. Can I say that if they don't have Jesus in their life, you have way more than they do? Because they might have all the possessions, but they have no peace. They might have everything that you said that this world says that you need, but they don't have joy. They don't have purpose. God's riches in your life isn't just limited to finances and stuff. And that's what's powerful about God. But he offers things that only comes from his nature. The peace of God, the joy of God, the love of God, self-control, this love for others, things that will make you rich beyond your imagination only comes from God. So God wants us to get to a place in our life where not only are we blessed, but we can be a blessing to others. We're not only our we the ones who, who, who receive and to we're the ones who, who get the breakthroughs, but then all of a sudden, God can use us to be a breakthrough for others. You see, the reason why God takes us to this place and, and like the journey with the widow, because now the widow can look back at her life and say, I didn't get to this place on my own. I got here only by the grace of God. I got here only by the power of God. I don't, I, I don't deserve any of the credit. God deserves all of the credit. And at that place... When you get to a place where you just give God all the credit, and where you don't even think about, well, yeah, I I, I am doing a really good job at work. I really am, you know. Or you know what? I am a really good uh, this or that. Like if you start giving yourself credit, God stops. You really start shrinking the the the, the blessings o- over your life because yeah. He wants all the glory. He wants all the credit. And if you begin to, to, to say to yourself, oh, I got here on my own, you're going to stay at that place for a long time. But if you say, no, God got me here, then God's going to start blessing you more because you can be a blessing and really a witness to others. Well, you stand to your feet? I'm closing tonight. I want to close with Matthew 17, verse 20. Matthew 17, verse 20. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He looks at He says, you don't have enough faith. Jesus told him, And I tell you the truth. Everybody say truth. truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be Hallelujah. impossible. Nothing would be impossible. The moment that widow found herself in a spot she was where all she owned was just a small flask of anointing oil that really I believe she was just keeping for um, sentimental reasons because yeah, her her husband was a prophet, now is deceased, but all she had was one thing. And if you would have told her that one thing would turn into not only paying off her debts, but her being able to live in a, in a, in a life of, of overflow for the rest of her life, she'd say that is impossible. But nothing is impossible without God. If you're in this place tonight and and you feel you can really uh, relate to the widow where you're saying, I feel like I'm living life on a budget like we we're talking about, of faith, of peace, of finding, whatever it is, or I, I feel like I'm I'm on a shortage and I, I, I need more than what I looks around me right now. If you can relate to that kind of saying, nothing is impossible for God. Even when you feel like you're at the end of your rope, We have the last thing under your ownership. Can I say nothing is impossible for God? Even if you're saying, Caleb, I've exhausted all my resources. Can I still say nothing is impossible for God? That the moment we start putting limits, the moment we start saying, okay, now it's too late. That the moment we say, okay, now I'm in too much trouble. Now uh, there's too much things stacked against me. Can I still say nothing is impossible for God? That even when we have nothing. What seems like nothing to offer, when we're connected to God, we have everything we need. See, that widow may have had nothing in man's eyes, but in God's eyes, she had everything. Why? Because she had him. In man's eyes, you might look at your situation and say, I have nothing. I don't have much, or, or I'm lacking too much to live the life that God has called me to live. But can I say, in God's eyes, he looks at you and you say, you have everything you need. In God's eyes, he says, you don't need the stuff or the possessions. You don't need what the world says you need to accomplish things or to, or to do things of, of high accord. Can I say that just because you have Jesus in your life, that's all you need? That nothing is impossible without God? I want to close with this thought. Whatever you can bring is enough for God to do a breakthrough. Whatever you can bring is enough for God to do a breakthrough with every head bowed, eyes closed, I just want to pray over tonight. Father, every person in this house under the sound of my voice, lift up faith right now. God, that we might feel like we're at the end of our rope, relate to the widow and say I got nothing left. I God, I've given everything up. God, I I feel like I'm about to give up. Breakdown, God. Begin to lift up faith in this place, belief in this place, God. Begin to restore a peace, God, that goes beyond all understanding. God, begin to remind him who you are, that nothing is impossible with God, that if we just have faith as small as a mustard seed, we could move mountains in our life. We could break generational curses in our life. We could go and do things, Father, that nobody believed could happen, but all because we're connected to your Holy Spirit, God. You make a way where there seems to be no way. God, begin to stir up our faith in this place that God even things we've given up on even dreams that God we thought were dead father even purpose in our lives that we thought were over God begin to give us a strength that goes beyond our understanding God begin to give us God a father a faith that says God as long as I have you I have everything I need father as long as I'm connected with the creator of heaven and earth there is nothing that I lack to do his will father begin to stir up on the inside of us Let us not leave this place as the same person as we walked in as. But God, let us leave this place, God, encouraged, fulfilled, knowing that we got what we need to to be in the will of God, to do the will of God, that we don't need more this or more of that. All we need is more of Jesus. All we need is to be connected with the kings of kings and the Lord of lords. And we got all that we need. So God, begin to stir us up, Father. Holy Spirit, begin to have your way in this place. God, every mind, every heart, every soul, God, we line up with the word of God right now, Father, because we are here for you and nobody else. We are here, Father, for your will to be done in our life, God. We love you so much, Jesus. Come on, at this time, stir us up. Come on, let's sing a song of faith, and let's begin to take that step of belief and say, God, I need a breakthrough in this place.